0: I'm Sarah Thanbergen, and I'm the ambassador for Stance, and this is the Take Back, Talk Back podcast. Our mission for this podcast is to open real conversations about women, finance, and confidence. At Stance, we want women to confidently take ownership of their finances through open and informative conversations, just like this one. I am so pleased to announce today's guest, Mahima Podar. As the Senior Vice President and Group Head of Personal Banking at Equitable Bank, Mahima leads EQ Bank, Canada's leading digital bank, the single-family mortgage business, the decumulation line of business in reverse mortgages and CSV lending, marketing, and the distribution of deposit products through the financial planning channel. Whew, that's leading a lot. Mahima joined Equitable in 2016 to lead the corporate development team and grew her mandate to include digital banking and marketing in 2019, eventually to lead personal banking division in 2020. Welcome, Mahima. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I want to start off um, to kind of talk about something that you and I have spoken about in the past—a tool that can really help with financial confidence that might sometimes be overlooked. How do you think social media is influencing the financial industry for women in particular?
1: I think social media is a powerful tool, especially when you combine it with the idea of network. If you think about platforms like Instagram or Facebook, I think it's been quite successful at increasing awareness around financial products or financial alternatives for women in particular. What I do find that's really interesting, though, is uh, if you look at the sub-demographic of, of women, it's conversations within their network. So that could be on WhatsApp or a text are much more collaborative among women and are much more used among women on average than men. I think it's that power of conversation and being within a a trusted network that allows women to ask questions without being judged. And I think that's a really powerful aspect of gaining more confidence is this access to information without being um, judged. Even on a personal level, if I think about uh, the women in my network, and when we end up discussing financial ideas or opportunities, it's almost all through text and WhatsApp. But I will say, as I was thinking about this podcast, the thing that dawned to me is the conversations that I have within my own personal network around finances with other women tend to only be with women that are independent or or single. and, And so they don't have a partner to necessarily rely on for their finances. And that kind of felt unfortunate to me because I think in too many cases, women are deferring ownership of their financial health or financial decisions to others in their life. And I presume in a lot of cases that's to men. And so I hope that we can kind of rely on social media to increase awareness and create those networks and and get some more of these conversations going.
0: Absolutely. And it's it's so much more of a, a safe space when it's your peers that you trust to give advice and bounce things off of, right?
1: For sure. Like, I, I think uh, the power of friendship and not being judged is so powerful. Um, and so find those individuals in your network that have more confidence around financial literacy and actually have financial literacy. And I think it can open up a world of... Um, opportunity in in terms of discussions and rich conversations.
0: Definitely. And I think it takes away, I know for me, and I've, I've spoken about this on the podcast before that I do the same thing with, with friends of mine in, you know, our weekly Zoom chats or our WhatsApp group also. And, and it takes that shame away because you know that that person has been there too.
1: The most difficult part is finding Women with common interests, though, like I mean, in the vast majority of my conversations, we're not talking about financial literacy and financial health. And I wonder if we have an opportunity here, like this is on me as well, like in my groups of friends that aren't discussing financial matters. Like, should I be more active in in raising it and bring it up? Because uh, I do have subsets of friends where like this is all we talk about. Um, But how do you make it a more commonly discuss topic. And that's probably on each one of us to bring up more often.
0: Definitely, definitely. And shatter that taboo for sure. And it's not always easy, but one person at a time, maybe. So, so many people that I talk to through Stance, especially folks in marginalized communities, get a sense that the financial industry as a whole is not welcoming to them. Do you think there's an opportunity for the financial industry to embrace this sense of community and use it as a way to make finances more approachable for people of all genders?
1: So I think this is the reality of the financial industry is that there has been this overwhelming focus on white males as the key customer. A lot of the wealth was sitting in, in those individuals and they were the key decision makers. The world is thankfully changing and we are seeing different communities I think the financial industry has a lot of opportunity here. How do we get more diversity into the ranks of asset managers into financial advisors so that a broader portion of the community or the ecosystem feel comfortable? Um, I think this idea of, of um, having financial advisors that that look like you or um, you know have been through similar experiences is really valuable because you get a much more, Genuine experience. I would love to see the financial industry encourage more diversity to enter the profession. If you're in a situation where, look, like the only financial advisors around you don't generate a, a sense of comfort, like stay strong. There is so much bias in the industry. Like I've I've been to financial advisors who have said, you know. Is your father or husband or boyfriend going to join you in this conversation? Which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and we've got to break down these uh, stereotypes and like allow marginalized communities to you know take ownership and step up. And I would really like to see the members of the financial industry support that and you know help with that journey.
0: And and you brought up a good point there. You know if you if you don't feel comfortable staying strong and you don't have to stay with that particular financial professional if you don't feel comfortable. And I think that's something that, you know, we really need to instill in ourselves too, that you can shop around. If you're not comfortable with that person, find another person.
1: You should be shopping around. I think like this person can ultimately like make or break your retirement savings and your financial health. And so you've got to build a relationship of trust. And if you're not getting what you need, like keep looking. If someone like me would be more comfortable in that situation, I think it'll end up becoming a better financial outcome and a more, you know, a more fruitful advisory experience.
0: I couldn't agree more. I think that's fantastic. So I want to talk about something that we've discussed and it's, it's always a big topic around stance. Eliminating that shame surrounding asking questions. So can you tell us a little bit about how that's shown up in your own life?
1: I do think for me, the ability to ask for help has always been such a huge benefit to me. Part of it is this idea again of network, like a network is two-sided. So if I'm asking somebody for help on something, what gives me the ability to do that is knowing that I would return that favor or another favor in return like a hundred times over. You can't always be on the, be balancing the give and take equation of it. But one thing that's always worked for me is if somebody reaches out to me or somebody reaches out to me and connects me to somebody else, I will take time to have that conversation, to try and make a connection, to help solve a problem. And because I know I'm willing to invest in that person or whoever it is, it reduces any sort of shame that I have in then asking somebody else for a favor or, you know, to help me with something.
0: So speaking of asking for help with your community, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about how this can help women in their careers. So how do you build that community?
1: So many people tell me they hate networking. Like, you know, it's like standing in the middle of a fair and handing out your business card and hoping somebody will take it. And like, I agree. Cause like, that sounds like the worst experience. Yeah. Like like, who wants to do that? Like, please be my friend. No, like I don't (laughs) think that's what networking should be. I, I really think it's about how do you build that genuine connection? So like when you're having that initial conversation with somebody do not be trying to get something out of them, right? Like, even if it's like, you know, you're networking for a job and so you have an end goal, like spend the time to build that initial conversation connection. Even when I was like initially recruiting, I quickly realized like I was successful because I didn't talk about the job. Like I didn't go up to somebody and say, you know, tell me about a day in the life of you, Mr. Partner or whoever it was, because like they've heard that question 7,000 times, right? Like how do you engage them in a conversation that they actually want to be engaged in? And then they'll remember you. So that connection builds and they remember you. And then you have a ground to actually ask for something or deepen the relationship. I think the other thing I've realized is humor is really an effective tool in initial conversations. Like don't take yourself so seriously. Allowing both of you to to drop your guard a little will allow you to build those initial connections. If you can help it, I think the other thing is drop the hierarchy because you get so nervous about, am I saying something that's compelling to this person? Do I sound smart enough that you, I think a lot of people end up not being genuine. And as soon as you're not genuine, you're not gonna build a connection. Like It's just like a forced conversation. And I bet however senior that other person is, like they're not enjoying this forced fake conversation about you trying to prove how smart you are.
0: Yeah, I love that. And and I think, you know, that common thread throughout all of that is being genuine, being yourself, because if you're not, then your interaction is just going to kind of fade into the background of the other 50 people that that person talked to that day. But if you find some commonality, and it doesn't always have to be this cut and dried, uh, you know, manufactured conversation.
1: Exactly. And I think it's like, what what is your passion? Because that energy and that interest is going to be what's compelling. Also, if you're really into something, it's likely you can teach the other person something they didn't know, right? Versus trying to be this cookie cutter version of what you think they want to see. Whereas, you know, like there's 700 other people that are doing the same thing and you said it yourself, like you're not going to stand out. Like the only way you're going to stand out is if you really mess up and that's not, right? Like that's not how you want to stand out.
0: So it's, you know, we've talked a lot about events and in person. And I mean, the elephant in the room is that none of that is happening right now. Um, So how do you translate that into an increasingly more digital world? What are some things you can do virtually that can expand your network in a thoughtful way?
1: I actually think it's like easier than ever to connect with people because they're spending like their full days in front of a screen right? You take out all that travel time and, you know, getting 15 to 20 minutes with somebody has become so much easier than perhaps before. I've been actually really impressed. So within the equitable bank team, a couple people have reached out to me as they joined the organization or as like uh, when I took over personal banking to say, I'd love to just have a coffee chat with you and get to know you better. And I like, I've found that so Impressive, and I definitely made time for each one of them. And I, I think the reality is like, I probably wouldn't have connected with these individuals had they not reached out. But on the, on the same token, um, now when I have questions about what's going on with our customers on the front end, what kind of feedback are you getting? I have a relationship with these individuals that like allow me to call them and we can have a, a great conversation about what they're seeing. So I I think it's like, don't be afraid to ask, like ask for the time in people's calendars. I think you'll really be surprised with how open people are.
0: And then there's those little, you know, it's funny because I think about all those little things that at the very beginning I used to feel embarrassed about. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I have a cat who's basically my child and she likes to be part of the interaction and she'll you know her her tail will go by in the camera and I used to be embarrassed about that but now it's just kind of like this is life everybody's going through this and it can be something that you laugh about and that you you know find that oh you know again I'll bring up dog you have a dog I have a dog you know what all those little things that everybody has in common right now. So it makes it a lot easier to break the ice. I find
1: it's so much like, you know, like what's that painting behind you? Like my daughter will run into the room sometimes. It's it's so much more of a human reality. I actually like prefer it because you get a glimpse into people's real life and it does help you be more genuine and um, you know, like let's drop the facade.
0: Yes. And this brings it back to what you were talking about earlier about, um, you know, taking the hierarchy out of it. And I mean, I, when I started at the bank, I used to kind of put these um, limitations on myself, like, oh, I can't talk to this person because there's so many levels higher than me. And then I realized that's not how it is and you know it just because you have a you know a c in front of your name or an svp in front of your name and and so i've i've noticed that a lot and i mean no listeners i'm not making this a commercial for equitable bank but um but it really is that that atmosphere that they've nurtured and i think that that would go a long way if it were spread even further
1: i'll like for me as i moved up the corporate ranks the biggest thing i miss is having a bunch of friends in the organization, right? Like, I I wish people didn't see that hierarchy because I crave that real conversation, like no filters, ha- like this opportunity to get to know people and what they are experiencing and, and to be able to learn from them. And I feel like there is this false sense of uh, hierarchy that I would love for us to completely... Dispel, and I think to your point, I think Equitable does a great job of it. Like it's probably the flattest organization I've ever um, seen. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, as people get more senior, I think they too crave that real connection. Um, and I I can't imagine anybody being successful in this world if they are like, I'm only going to engage with people at my level or more senior. Like, I just like yeah.
0: no. That's so, yeah. That's that just comes across very fake to me, and uh, yuckier than standing in a crowded hall with your business card. Oh my
1: god! And like, <laughs> just like the opposite of leadership. And so, like, how yeah. like, how do, would you ever even succeed if you had that mentality?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's no perspective anymore because it's just one perspective. And no, I I couldn't agree more. So. Tying this back to finances, um, how do you believe, you know, having a strong network, we've made a very good case that it helps you with your career. How does that network help you with your finances?
1: I think, like, for me, like, actually, like, funnily enough, last night, I got um, two emails from a friend saying, hey, there's these there's these two um, investment opportunities. Would you be interested? And, I think it's just like a really good example of like, this is somebody that I'm really good friends with, but we almost never talk about finances. Um, And it's that power of network, right? So uh, he's involved in some uh, pretty cool entrepreneurial stuff. And so these opportunities landed on his desk and like, you know, he took the time to share those with me. And I think that's that's the power of network. I, I think like, there is a lot of that is uh, it depends on your risk appetite and sorry, I'm not suggesting that anyone go and do these alternative type investments, but I have found specifically that um, I've been introduced to interesting investment opportunities or um, like alternative investments through my network that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise Um, because it takes a lot of time and energy to do the research and vet the companies. And so um, it's that, asymmetry of information because you're getting something packaged from somebody that you trust. Um, You obviously have to do your own diligence, but it takes out a lot of the legwork. It's
0: less stressful to have a conversation with friends that you trust and you know are, are educated and financially confident than approaching Google. And I mean, Googling things is a great tool too, but to know, okay, what what is the right one for me? What is the right investment? what what is the right path to take? Um, but you can kind of use that conversation with your trusted colleagues and friends as a jumping off point um, to more and to to more enriched learning, I feel.
1: Right. And you can learn from their experiences, right? Like I've made some poor decisions. I'm sure most other people have made poor decisions. Like how do you learn from the benefit of their experience versus having to go through that whole journey yourself?
0: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, we, we talk about that a lot at Stance and and I, um, in a previous episode in season one, if if you've listened to that, any listeners, please listen to season one. Um, I share the biggest financial mistake I ever made, which is a pretty hefty one. And I, for years, wouldn't tell that story because I was embarrassed about it. But now I flip that completely on its head and I'll tell anybody who will listen to me because I don't want other people to make the same mistake I did. And um, and I'm a different person now. So let people benefit from my mistakes. Why not?
1: Even during the pandemic, I've realized that there is this reality of being stuck at home and like needing some sort of entertainment. And so like I have made some interesting investment decisions that are really like gambles that have been total mistakes, like this idea of like jumping on the bandwagon or like being part of something and getting the thrill of growth. Like it's just such a, such a silly thing for me to do. Um, Like, like I think I I've always had this mentality of don't invest in risky things unless you're okay. Losing it all. And so like that has been fine, but like, it's been a bit of an epiphany for me that I'm like looking for these outsized gains as a bit of a gamble. And it's because I'm bored during the pandemic. And like, so (laughs) you know, like, don't do that and i'm happy to share that experience to hopefully prevent other people from doing it as well um you just got to like realize the the mind space you're in and what you're doing and what like the financial implications of those decisions could be
0: well i thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me today and uh, and share your wisdom this has been a blast i really appreciate it mahima
1: thank you so much sarah i had a ton of fun i thank you for giving me my 15 minutes here <laughs>
0: I really enjoyed talking to Mahima about networking. I was one of those people who used to really dislike the process. It made me so uncomfortable because it really did bring to mind those events in crowded banquet halls waiting for an opportunity to awkwardly introduce myself and recite my elevator pitch. So this conversation got me to thinking, what if we looked at networking differently? What if we were to harness the power of social media and online connections to improve not only our careers, but our finances too? While many of us may be missing the in-person connections of the before times, Mahima keenly illustrated that in some ways, it's even easier now to connect. Why not reach out to that person you admire and ask them to have a virtual coffee? Chances are they're missing human connection too and would be happy to talk to you. Keep in mind that your connections may not always become opportunities right away, and that's okay. Early in my career, I hosted an event and one of the sponsors sent volunteers to help out. The next day, I sent handwritten thank you cards to each of those volunteers. Almost two years later, one of them reached out with a career opportunity. Once you've built that flourishing network, don't forget to use it. Having meaningful connections with a host of different people gives you something really valuable and that thing is perspective. Arming yourself with knowledge can not only open up opportunity, but some really rich conversations too and you can draw upon the perspectives and experiences of your peers. Why not bring up money in your WhatsApp group? Chances are, you aren't the only one who wants to talk about it. It's on all of us to bring up finance more often if we want to build our confidence in this area. Listen, I know it's not always easy. I struggle with this at times, and it's my job to talk about finances every day. But if we start with our trusted inner circle, it can only grow from there. Thank you for listening to the Take Back Talk Back podcast, the podcast where we open real conversations about women, finance, and confidence. At Stance, we want women to confidently take ownership of their finances through open and informative conversations, just like this one. You know what we don't talk about enough? The sneaky ways we lose money. Everyone is always so quick to blame coffee, and I have to say, I'm sick of coffee getting such a bad reputation. I love coffee. I live on coffee. Please don't come for my coffee. There's something worse, account fees. So many of us pay up to 20 bucks a month just to have our money in the bank. I have a word that could describe this, but I work for a bank, so maybe I'll just say it's poppycock. There is an alternative. EQ Bank doesn't charge monthly fees, transaction fees, Interact e-transfer fees. There's no minimum balance and you earn a high interest rate on every dollar. Skip the bank fees and have your coffee. Learn more at eqbank.ca. The Take Back Talk Back podcast is brought to you by EQ Bank Money Well Banked. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect those of Equitable Bank. Any information provided is for information purposes only, and Equitable Bank makes no representations as to the validity, accuracy, or completeness or suitability of any content you should seek the advice of a qualified professional or undertake your own research before making financial decisions.